From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be on with you today. Praise be to Jesus Christ. How was your July 4th weekend? Did you celebrate? I think a lot of people did. I know our neighborhood went wild. In fact, I was I was in awestruck as my neighbor uh, launched what I thought only professionals could afford into the sky above our houses and the 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 the, sh- the shuddering the, the just the vibration of this explosion in the sky was just like wow. I don't remember being able to buy that as kids. I'm thinking Roman candle was like the worst, the most powerful firework you could ever buy. Now you can buy like the the grade A quality stuff if you have if you have the cash. I guess it's not cheap, but but boy was there a display of uh, of fireworks going off in neighborhoods all across the country over the weekend. So praise be to Jesus Christ for that in our difficult and uh, sort of confrontational days that we are living in. You know, there is still very good reason, as the Catechism tells us, we should be good citizens. We should still celebrate uh, the birth of our country and hope that we will one day become the country that we ought to be. Not the country we have been, but the country we ought to be. That is our hope and our prayer. But on today's program, we have uh, a good friend of mine coming back, Randy Ramey. He is a former constitutional law professor, and he's going to help me to get caught up on some of these Supreme Court decisions that have been coming down. There's been so much going on, I just have not had the chance to really focus on them, and I thought today might be a good day to get caught up on uh, some of these Supreme Court decisions from a Catholic perspective. Um there's been some disappointments, again, from Chief, Chief Justice Roberts, from Gorsuch, and others. But there's also some good news in the Supreme Court cases. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of that today with Randy Rainey. Then, Bree Dale will be on the program later in the hour to uh, talk about uh, why the Navy is uh, seemingly... Uh, prohibiting worship of God. Like, what what gives there? She'll give us some commentary on that, at least some insight on what's going on with that. But she also has some breaking news uh, in regards to Hong Kong from the Vatican. And so we'll be discussing that on the program. Did you know that Hong Kong has really been in turmoil this whole time? And we've been focused on everything going on stateside. Uh, but while we've been doing that, the Chinese government, uh, in, in addition to dealing with floods and all of that, has been really putting the hand hammer on Hong Kong and they passed a new security law. Cardinal Zen has come out and said he's ready to go to prison, 88 years old, and there's a very good chance he'll die in prison. So Bree Dale will be on the program to discuss all of that and much more. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Tim Ott. Good morning. Here are your GRN headlines for Monday, July 6th. The total COVID-19 cases worldwide are 11.52 million, with deaths being at 533,000. The total recoveries worldwide are 5.95 million. A group of 239 scientists from 32 different countries are reportedly preparing to publish an open letter urging the World Health Organization to update its recommendations for the coronavirus. The group of scientists argue that more weight needs to be given to the role of the airborne spread of COVID-19. This appears to contradict previous evidence that the virus is transmitted from person to person via droplets when a person coughs, sneezes, or speaks. However, the group of scientists will reportedly outline evidence that indicates smaller particles, which can travel much greater distances, can also infect people. 
Multiple people were shot, and five people are dead after a violent 4th of July holiday weekend in Atlanta. At least 24 people were shot in and around Metro Atlanta overnight Saturday into Sunday evening. Four people have died with one of those shootings taking the life of an 8-year-old girl. On the evening of Independence Day, a crowd in Sacramento tore down a statue of St. Junipero Serra, set fire to it, and beat it with sledgehammers. The statue, on the grounds of California's state capitol, was the third figure of the missionary to be torn down by crowds in California in recent weeks. Sacramento's bishop responded by saying that Serra worked to promote the dignity of indigenous people. After striking down Louisiana's unsafe abortion law last week, the Supreme Court on Thursday instructed federal courts to reconsider two Indiana abortion laws in light of that ruling. The court also sent a case concerning Catholic schools in Wisconsin back to the lower court. But Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves signed signed the Life Equality Act into law on Wednesday, July 1st, banning abortion based on sex, race, or genetic abnormality. The law went into effect upon passage. Pro-life advocates call the signing of this law a historic victory for the pro-life citizens of Mississippi. And finally, Enico, uh, Ennio Morricone, an Oscar-winning Italian composer honored by Pope Francis, has died at the age of 91. He composed more than 100 classical works and 400 movie and television soundtracks, including The Mission and Clint Eastwood's A Fistful of Dollars. And those are your GRN headlines for Monday, July 6th. St. Romulus of Fisole, pray for us. And I know I probably butchered the city, but just go with me on this. The legend has it that uh, St. Romulus was the uh, son of Lucerna and her father's slave, Cyrus. But he was abandoned as an infant and he was suckled by a wolf. He was captured by St. Peter when Emperor Nero was on the hunt for him and it was St. Peter who converted him. Well... That may be legendary, but it's still a very cool legend. If you're going to have a legend about you, I would say being suckled by a wolf is among the top favorites to pick from. But uh, he was converted to Catholicism, and he did serve as a bishop, and it was under the guidance of St. Peter the Apostle that he preached throughout central Italy, and he was, in fact, martyred for the faith. And that is not the only saint I want to mention today. I know you're probably thinking, what about Maria Goretti? Everybody knows about Maria Goretti. Praise be to Jesus, Read up on her incredible life. But have you heard about Blessed Thomas Alfield? Blessed Thomas Alfield was ordained a Catholic priest in 1581. That same year, in December 1581, Edmund Campion was drawn and quartered, which means he was uh, he had uh, ropes tied to his hands and his legs, and he was pulled into four pieces by horses, and his blood splattered all over the uh, all over the crowd. Why is that important? Sounds pretty gruesome. That's true. Edmund Campion was such an incredible heroic witness for the Catholic faith in England in the 16th century that it it inspired a whole new crop of young men to leave their country, to go over the channel and to become Catholic priests. Blessed Thomas Alfield was a convert to the church. He was raised uh, not as a, a, a faith-believing person. But rather, he became a Catholic during the most tumultuous time in English history. He went to France to uh, to join the seminary and to become uh, a Catholic priest, to be ordained, and he was sent back to England in 1581. He was eventually captured, and he was tortured in the Tower of London. And he was going to be facing the same fate that uh, the incredible Edmund Campion faced, but he he basically had too much fear. And he renounced his Catholicism. And he asked to go back to the Protestant church. And they released him from the tower. He was so riddled with guilt for his lacking in faith, his fortif- his, you know, not having the, 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 the fortification of soul and spirit and willpower to die for the faith that it just kept him up every night and just tormented his, his soul. So he left. He went back to France. And he reconciled with the church. And he was sent once again to the mission fields of England. And again he was arrested. And again he was tortured. Only this time he stayed true to his faith. And he died a holy martyr in England. 1585, July 6th, this day in 1585. And I think it's important to tell this story because it's somebody you've never heard of, number one, and I think it's a good to get to know all of the saints of our faith, but also somebody that I think we can relate to in many ways. 
Somebody who, when tested, didn't necessarily stand up for the faith, but was found weak and wanting. And I think it could remind us of St. Peter himself, when faced with the mob and the pressures of the mob, he caved in and rejected our Lord. But unlike Judas, who in despair hung himself, St. Peter came back to the well of living life, the well, the font of life everlasting, and received grace and mercy, and, re- and in reconciliation was sent back to the mission field to feed the Lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ, his flock. And here, Blessed Thomas Afield is kind of similar, and I think we can relate to that. What will we do if we are ever asked to face the ultimate question? Will we stand for the faith, or will we cower in fear? Will we have peace in our decision to die as martyrs, if that should be God's will? Or will we reject the Lord? Those are good questions to ask in these tumultuous times. Not that we should ever face that. I pray that's not the case. But it could be. What will you do? What will you do? That's the question we must ask. Will we stand for the faith and die as a martyr if necessary? Or will we reject it all? I want us to pray and and contemplate that today and make a decision. Make the decision now. That way you will have peace. If that should ever come to your doorstep, you will have peace that you have already made up your mind and you won't have to think about it. You will just simply have the peace to know. As Cardinal Zen is now facing supreme persecution, it's a possibility, but let's pray it never happens. Amen? Blessed Thomas Alfield, pray for us. Good morning, Teresa Kumar, HoustonCoalition.com. Good morning, Joe. Have you made the decision? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. It's very hard. confident. Yes. Well, that's because I have to do it pretty routinely. <laughs> it has been a routine part of my... And actually, it's kind of funny because um, um, my sixth grade catechesis teacher, um, she asked me that question, and I really was like... Really? ...blown away that everybody else was really confident about it. And like, and I just... And I and so I very much struggled with that yeah. at sixth grade. But I mean, like, and I had friends that were like, that's really early to be asking that, but really... To start thinking about that, that's really, that's important. There's a lot of martyrs that are that young. Yeah. And, I mean, talking about St. Marie Gray, for example, I mean, yeah. you, you make these decisions, and it forms your lifestyle, too. You know, mm. like, live like you're dying. And you know, they're very, very important. Christians in Nigeria are constantly facing this tr- this very struggle, mm-hmm. this very real decision right now in the northern part of Nigeria. They're under grave persecution. Many have lost their lives. It goes underreported, and I'm always struggling to find a good source to be on the program to share that story with us. But there are people in China right now who are being persecuted for their faith. It is a real thing, and I think we've taken it for granted for too long. Well, and that's one of the things, If it's if it's super easy, then you... You just assume it's always going to be there. And I think that's been the situation that I'm waking up to in myself, you know, just about history, the history of our nation and just, you know, assuming that things are going to move forward. But, yeah, there's a lot going on with the Supreme Court that I know we're going to talk about with With Randy Rainey. Rainey, And I'm going to save a lot of that. But that's another thing that I'm like. A lot of people take these issues for granted, and the repercussions that are going to come down because of these Supreme Court cases are going to be yeah. huge. But well, the one, yeah, well, hold ahead. on, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I went really quickly. I want to mention a couple of stories. There was uh, the attack on the Saint Hennepin Sarah statue that Tim reported in the news. But did you hear about the one in Fresno, California, where BLM and Antifa folks were coming to march on it, and some Catholic men showed up to defend it and to surround it, but to include. Got to give credit where credit is due. Bishop Robert Barron showed up. I did not hear about that. To, I heard about now, the defensive statues. I didn't know he showed Bishop up Barron was to there. pray the rosary with the lay faithful. Mm-hmm. And to, great credit to him. Hats off. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's the kind of example we're looking for, Bishop. Praise Jesus. Uh, he prayed the rosary. Now he didn't stay. He left before the real sort of crazy took on, you know, uh, a different form. But he can't control that timing. But I'm glad he showed up. Yes, I, he might have controlled the timing. But I'm still glad he showed up. Praise be to Jesus for that. Uh, and so the men uh, that showed up there, the lay faithful, basically prevented the crowd from tearing down the statue. Now, the statue is scheduled to be removed, 
and placed behind on private property someplace, which is unfortunate mm-hmm. that we are losing our place in public society to have uh, to have these uh, images that mean so much more than the, the the world today wants to acknowledge. So it's unfortunate that we're seeing the, the iconoclasm uh, uh, unfold before us. But I am very proud of this men uh, that came out there to include Bishop Barron to defend the reputation of St. Hanipero Sarah. Well, and I think a lot of this, a lot of the issue that I take with these is you're, you're dismantling the history of people who actually helped, you know, know. end enslavement yeah. and mistreatment of minorities. And so by erasing that, mm. you're erasing, you know, you can continue to be lied to. Yeah. Basically, like you're destroying the very evidence of protection. Mm-hmm. And so as far as like one of the things I, I wish that people would look more into is the the Sanger statue that's been placed in the Smithsonian I, right. National Talk Portrait Gallery. Talk about racism for crying out loud. And it's continuing and it's and you can see her video. You can see what she talks about. You can read her her book, Pivot of Civilization. You can look at the fact that she talked to the Ku Klux Klan and was excited that after that talk in New Jersey to these women that she got, you know, over a dozen more invitations. And so fortunately, we have have people like U.S. Representative Fletcher of Idaho who sent out a letter to the Honorable Secretary Lonnie Bunch III, who is the head of the Smithsonian Institute, and that's the way it should be handled. Mm. It should be handled with these letters. It should be handled through voting. It should be handled if people end up dismantling. Like it's terrible, and we should be able to. But we need to have the ability to have our voices heard. Otherwise, there's no. It's just chaos. Mm. And so, yeah. So I think I'm wondering. You know, I'm, I'm kind of reached a point in our in our American history where I, I'm wondering um, if if they would even be preserved if people voted because because yeah. we need to be able to be taught the problems of socialism, the importance of caring for your brother, for your fellow man, and mm-hmm. not just you know, but but not erasing capitalism. There is a great article put out by Edward Fesser. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. Edward Fesser. I'm looking. Is it Fazer? Edward Fazer, uh, my intern, who's mm-hmm. got one week on the clock. He's short time in it this week. <laughs> uh, Edward Fazer has got a great article out on why the church has taught against socialism. Mm-hmm. It's very detailed. comes with a lot of references. We'll link to it on facebook.com forward slash Live. Uh, GRN online, forgive me, GRN online, forward uh, slash GRN online, and you can find the link to it there. But Edward Fazer, you can find his blog, and you'll see the the post there as well. But uh, a couple of minutes from now, we're going to have Randy Rainey on. He is a former uh, constitutional law professor to give us some scope and context of recent Supreme Court decisions, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad from a Catholic perspective. So before we do that, though, maybe, oh, and later in the program, Bree Dale is going to be on. I want to ask her about the Navy and why. Why there's uh, seemingly a clampdown on worship of God? What's going on there? But she said she's got some breaking news about Hong Kong from, uh, and related to the Vatican. So she'll be sharing that story as well. And so you got some pro-life news for us. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much um, uh, Mr. Rainey's going to talk on this Supreme Court decision in, regarding Louisiana. Um, but unfortunately, the Supreme Court decided five to four against, uh, for Rousseau v. June Medical Services. And so it struck down Louisiana's Unsafe Abortion Protection Act, Act uh, six. Which was passed in 2014, written by a black African American woman, Democrat senator, and she was able to get this passed through. Katrina Jackson was able to get this passed through overwhelmingly because women had been hurt in Louisiana. She was she brought forth witnesses like a woman who had a complete hysterectomy. Um, if you want to look through for yourself through records of. Um, from checkmyclinic.org as far as looking at the the problems that were happening in Louisiana clinics there was actually one inspection report in 2019 that documents the the health inspectors saw that a woman was was uh, had to be transported uh, to a hospital, and so she wrote them up saying, you know, this. I'm actually going to read it real quick. I so she said that they need to identify uh, emergency medical equipment and medications that will be used for basic life support until emergency services arrive and assume care. They need to identify and ensure that a supply of me- emergency drugs and stabilizing and/or treating medical and surgical. Com- com- complications are maintained on a licensed premise and she goes on and the reality is if these women are being so injured they shouldn't have the abortion industry 
um, being able to sue on their own behalf. Like there was no women supporting this abortion lobby mm. that was saying, oh, we need to lower the standard for care. Why would you lower the standard for care mm-hmm. if these women are getting hurt? And so it was really a surprise to Louisiana because not only even though the wording was was almost identical in Texas, the structure of Louisiana law is very, very different. The medical professionals who do surgical operations in Louisiana have to have admitting privileges across the board. The abortionists were the exception. So what they were saying is, look, they they should not have the exception when these women are getting hurt. And Mm -hmm. so we just need to continue to pray for the safety of women across the nation because I'm picking up another 911 call here this week. So it's not not just there. Well, we'll talk more about that here in a bit. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back with Randy Rainey. He is a friend of mine, a former constitutional law professor, Order of Malta, and much, much more. And he's going to give us a Catholic perspective on some of these uh, decisions that have been coming around, that uh, the ones that you just mentioned and more, uh, from the Supreme Court, the good, the bad, and all of that coming up in a couple of minutes. And Bree Dale will be on later in the hour to give us this uh, breaking news about Hong Kong related to the to the Vatican. We're going to be discussing that. Plus, why is the Navy seemingly forbidding uh, worship uh, from sailors and Marines? I, I'm very interested, having served in the Marine Corps, that is, uh, I'm very curious as to why that is the case. She'll give us some perspective on that and much, much more right here on GRN Alive Monday. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. We here at the Guadalupe Radio Network have some exciting news to share with you. We will be airing a new show called the Bishop Strickland Hour featuring Bishop Joseph Strickland of the Diocese of Tyler. This show will air on Fridays at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern. The Bishop Strickland Hour will debut on Friday, July 10th. Stay tuned to the Guadalupe Radio Network for more details. Visit us online at grnonline.com and download our app for your smartphone. I wanted to look more into some of the questions. What about purgatory? What about Mary? What about the saints? I, of course, came across Catholic answers. I was like, well, how can I listen to them? Like, I know they're online, but I mean, that's kind of annoying. Like, I want to just get in my car and listen to them. Like, oh, there's Catholic radio. And I wanted to learn more. I was like, I can't be in like a catechism class every hour of the day. Like, be in the car, have it on radio, listen to things and start learning more about the faith. It worked and I'm Catholic now. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. You must have heard by now, right? Hi, Joe McLean here, and surely you've heard that GRN is rolling out a new texting tool, a service designed to keep you in the know. First access to information, two-way dialogues, and much, much more. All you got to do is pull out your cell phone and text GRN to 444-999. It's that easy. Just text GRN to 444-999. Join us. May God richly bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday Show. I'm Joe McLean. It's good to be on with you. I host the Monday version. Dave Palmer, my colleague, and and uh, his team host the Friday version uh, right here all across the Guadalupe Radio Network in the 8 a.m. Central Hour. By the way, you can always catch the podcast versions of these shows right through our mobile app. You can download that on your Android or iOS app store. Just look for the Guadalupe Radio Network. And when you have that downloaded, not only do you get to listen to our live feed, your local radio station feed, but you can go to the flyout and catch the podcasts as well. And we're going to be rolling out a new, sort of an upgrade to that tool here in the coming months. I'm very excited about that. 
But uh, we'll talk more about that later. Joining us by phone right now is a good friend of mine, uh, Randy Rainey. He is a former constitutional law professor. He is a uh, scholastic. He uh, order of Malta financial. He does he does everything. He's the man of many talents, which is why I have him on because I have no talent, and it's always good to surround yourself with important and and uh, informed individuals. And with that, good morning, Randy Rainey. Good morning, Joe. How are you been? Praise Jesus, I'm alive. How are you? Good. Good to be here. Am I, is my sound enough? You, you, sound, okay? you sound excellent. Uh, July 4th, before we dive into our conversation about the U.S. Supreme Court and their decisions, July 4th, uh, did you have any good uh, celebrations or did you do anything in particular for July 4th? Well, we had grandchildren in town, which was a great joy. So we had fun with that and... Uh, just the fact that the family was here was wonderful. They they live up in Bernie, Texas, and we're down here, so it was a delightful weekend in that regard. Uh, and we, uh, you know, we were able to go to church, which was a wonderful thing, uh, and do some praying for the country, which God knows we need to do. And, Amen. But other than that, just a you know, it was a pretty uh, unusual fourth because of the, of everything that's going on in the nation. Yeah, uh, for sure. Question about it. So, yeah. How about you? You know, it, we had a great time hanging out just on the street in front of our house with neighbors as they were, uh, you know, deploying hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of of uh, fireworks into the sky above our homes. And uh, I just don't remember as a kid having this arsenal available that we have today at the fireworks stand. It seems uh, like it's come a long way. But, uh, you know, luckily I can just watch the neighbors spend their money and get the same show. Praise Jesus. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the U.S. Supreme Court. There's been so much going on uh, as of late. I haven't had a lot of opportunity to really wrap my head. And I've just been hearing these stories come out about the U.S. Supreme Court. And I thought, let's get caught up. Let's get some Catholic perspective on some of this, and I hear a lot of conservatives in particular are kind of not as happy, uh, especially with Roberts or Gorsuch, and so I know some of these uh, these these cases are related to that. So let's dive into uh, one of the first ones here. Uh, apparently, uh, now Title VII of the Civil Rights Act includes people of sexual uh, choosing their sexual orientation or gender identity. This was a case that Gorsuch uh, made a statement on. Can you give us some more information there? Yes. Well, the court um, reached the, the conclusion um, that the Title VII, which um, by definition uh, was, was the Title VII for our, for our listeners, was the civil rights uh, statute uh, preventing employment discrimination uh, in, passed in 1964. And the specific language in Title VII uh, is that it's unlawful for an employer to fail or refuse to hire or dis- to discharge any individual or otherwise to discriminate against any individual because of such individual's race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. So the uh, straightforward terms of the statute were being uh, before the court because uh, in the multiple cases that had been assembled, uh, uh, individuals had been fired because they, reputedly uh, because they were homosexual or because they were ch- transgender. I uh, had decided as, uh, in one case, a, an employee that was a male, but when he was began with the company, decided to go through, undergo transgender process and was fired because that did not co- com- uh, uh, comport with the Catholic understanding of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the company as well mm-hmm. as the uh, the treatment of its it's a, it was a funeral home and making sure that you know at a very tender time when people are meeting with people it would be an odd experience for them to have had someone that used to be um, uh, that is still a male but was pre- presenting as a female as a transgender person so the court just uh, held that the um, that the uh, terms of Title Seven. Uh, in terms of the meaning of sex was to be construed to, to include homosexuality as well as gender identity. And the astonishing uh, nature of this decision uh, was uh, precisely that the, the plain meaning of those words by most, uh, uh, by most almost all dictionaries, certainly at the time and even today, was that discrimination against sex meant binary uh, was binary. I mean, it had to do with males and females. It had to do with employment discrimination on those bases. And that at no, in no possible way 
could the, uh, the members of Congress at the time of 1964 Act was passed mm. uh, uh, intend the other. Uh, and to bolster that point, uh, and the reason why Justice Gorsuch is getting a lot of uh, criticism on this, uh, he goes through a very uh, long and what appears to be a, uh, a, a tortured um, uh, discussion of the, uh, of, the, of the language of statutory construction uh, to reach this conclusion that this could, in fact, be construed in this way. Uh, and the Justice Alito, uh, in particular, writes a very forceful defense uh, dissent in which he makes it clear that one of the reasons why uh, it, is, it is so improperly done uh, is that because it, it is essentially an act of legislation. Mm-hmm. I'd like to read just briefly from what he said. He said, there's only one word for what the court has done today, legislation. The document the court releases in the form of a judicial opinion interpreting a statute, but that is deceptive. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibits discrimination on the basis that I just read. For the past 45 years, this is the important point, the past 45 years, bills have been introduced in Congress to add sexual orientation to the list, and in recent years, bills have included gender identity as well, but to date, none has passed both houses. Last year, the House of Representatives, and this is currently before the, uh, before the House uh, as, a, as a pending bill before this decision was decided, uh, the House of Representatives passed a bill which would amend Title VII by defining sexual discrimination to include sexual orientation and gender identity. That was H.R. 5. Uh, and it stalled in the Senate. Uh, an alternative bill, HR six, HR no, pardon me, HR five three three one, is currently being considered uh, with uh, additional uh, uh, religious liberty uh, protections in that statute, in that proposed amendment of the sixty four Act. So the main point here is that the congressional arm, the, the bodies responsible for making law, mm. the legislatures, the Congresses, uh, Congress, was in the midst of doing so, in the midst of de- deciding this, and, and possibly in the midst of, of proposing uh, or reaching agreement on how one might uh, regulate this in the workplace. Uh, and that was usurped by the, 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 uh, the, the court in so doing, mm. reading it into, essentially, they drafted the language di- directly from uh, the, the, uh, the, what's been proposed in Congress and failed. Uh, and, uh, and so for that reason, he's, getting, he's been get criticized, uh, and I think correctly so, that this is a, uh, a, a major out, uh, overreach on the part of the court. Well, and I think I, I have the impression, because they did this, that they didn't expect the legislation to pass. I mean, mm. that, that's just my impression because the, the repercussions are huge. I mean, like, yes. I think the legislators as a, as a united body, I don't think any congressman would say, oh yeah, it's so, I mean, as a group, I don't think there would be enough of them that would say, um, you know, it's okay for guys who suddenly want to be, can claim that they are suddenly women to suddenly go into, uh, women's bathrooms and, it opens yeah. the door to predators. It opens the well, door to. Didn't Gorsuch say that this doesn't apply to that, the bathroom thing? I think he, uh, you sent me a great article by Hadley Akers from the Catholic thing, which we'll link up at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. And, uh, he talks about how he's trying to isolate this from that. However, I don't think you can avoid can. the consequences here. Uh, number one, are Catholic schools or Catholic organizations or religious institutions allowed to now not have these, uh, if they if they if someone from their staff comes out and says I'm now someone I identify as somebody other than what I biologically am, are they now not able to to uh, say well you can't be a part of this institution this organization because of our deeply held religious beliefs? I mean that's a consequence. But oh, there was a there was a statement or there's a sentence or a paragraph in this article that you gave us. Uh, Gorsuch does transgenderism notes on the wreckage by Hadley Akers at the Catholic thing that I want to read real quick because I think it's even even more disturbing. And it says this, quote, Michael Hanby and his colleagues correctly noted that the issue was not that not the freedom of Stevens to present himself as a woman to confirm Stevens argument was to confirm the obligation of people around him to respect that claim and to treat him as though he were indeed a woman. 
If they didn't affirm that lie, they and their employers could be charged with sustaining a hostile work environment, unquote. And that bothers me on a deep level because now it's like it's not just that I have to tolerate the fact that you've decided to make this decision. I have to actually agree to it. And, like, that's troubling. What if I personally identify as a seven-foot-tall NBA pro? I mean, I'm not, but I expect you to treat me that way because I've identified. You see what I'm saying? It seems like there is a lot of slippery slope in all of this. What say you, Randy Rainey? Well, I think you're you're both making some good points here. The uh, the uh, on on the particular point of the religious liberty consequences, uh, the the court was very clear that this this case does not decide those those cases will have to be decided in the future. And now I just want to, for everyone listening to understand that is a huge consequence. It will be will be in litigation for many many years on these things unless Congress is able to get something done and passed to protect religious liberty rights. Uh, to, to the uh, point you are making a little bit earlier that the Congress, the court may have thought they weren't going to get this through, let me just make a clear point. The separation of powers, it is not the role of the court to make the policy mm-hmm. decisions. It is the role of the legislature to do that. Congress makes the decisions. The court is to interpret those, those decisions. And the opinion of the court is not supposed to be law. It's supposed to be interpreting the law. By adding these, this language in such a, in a manner particularly in which this was done, great damage has been done to the credibility of the court. It's like, it is very similar to the Roe decision in this sense. Um, it was a lawless, uh, uh in, imposition of a statutory regime on Roe at the time. And, and almost all scholars now really reject mm. the, the language and the, and the argument made by Roe. Uh, especially since we now know that it was, a, it was based on a fraud anyway uh, that was brought without proper jurisdiction because there was no, uh, at the time, no, uh, no, no real need for an abortion with, one, with the, the core plaintiff. But at the end of the day, when you have a, a case like Roe, which says we need not reach, reach the difficult question of when life begins, and then they go on to, to presume that there is no life there by, in fact, allowing... Uh, allowing uh, a statutory regime that does, doesn't work and has been multiple modified since the time of the Roe decision uh, and with disastrous consequences in the nation and its unity, uh, you're going to have a similar kind of problem now and even more egregiously so perhaps, uh, not on the matter of life because that's the most important, but in terms of social contract and social implications mm. in the institutions you're describing. Because uh, if, if in fact, uh, you have a, uh, and, and again, I mean, this is not covered by the court. Uh, it's it's uh, even even in the dissent, uh, Justice Alito just m- simply makes it clear that it's going to have huge consequences on many federal statutes as uh, as well as other institutions. But at, at the end of the day, what we're having to, we're going to have to deal with is uh, the hostile work environment that you're describing, teaching children these things. Uh, if, if these things are, if these matters are discriminatory, then you're basically changing the fabric of the workplace and the culture of the workplace. And you're doing it in a way that adopts a particular viewpoint that was not the intention of the elected representatives, mm. was not agreed upon, and therefore must not have, should not have been done. So this is a, this is an example of a, of a, of what is, is, is regrettably a lawlessness in the court. That, that claims to be, uh, it has great, goes to great lengths attempting to make its argument, but bases it on a very flawed uh, premise uh, and a very flawed argumentation model. Um, that these words uh, would have meant, uh, even though they would not have meant what the, the, uh, the, the uh, uh, congressman in 1964, uh, sometimes you have just these things open up and the, uh, the applications allow for these kinds of, of interpretations of constitutional law. So, so I, that's, that's part of the problem. So I'm curious, as far as the um, medical repercussions of this particular ruling, because I can see how it's, it's hostile for the work environment and, like, that would require someone to legally say, you know, that the he is a she if he's saying that he's a she. Um, but and that and that's for speech and that's really a problem on a lot of levels. Um, but also like if he's identifying as a woman and he goes in and everyone's supposed to pretend like he is, he is biologically male. 
or, or vice versa. You know, she could go in and she could claim to be male and she's biologically female. That's going to affect a lot of how her body responds to treatments and hormones. And, you know, it, it's not like it's it's in every cell of their body. There's 6,500 different genetic differences. You know, there's psychological differences. <laughs> and there's been a lot of experimentation done on, on children, which is terrible. And we're going to talk more about yeah, that in the, after show, in the after show. <laughs> I'm going to get my, sick but thinking my, about that. But my thing is, like... How does this law affect our medical profession? Okay, but we have only a few minutes left with uh, with Randy. Mm-hmm. We, uh, so I also want to get to the Blaine amendments from Montana oh, okay. and and have him maybe comment on the the uh, justice uh, Chief Justice Roberts uh, go- reversing course on the Louisiana abortion uh, restrictions. So uh, let's start with the Blaine amendments. Uh, we we have about uh, five minutes left with you, Randy. What can you tell us about the Montana case? Well, the Montana case uh, was, is Espinosa versus Montana Department of Revenue, and essentially uh, it was a religious uh, – was, was, the court held that it was a violation of religious liberty to not allow the tax credits to be to be the, 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 the program that the state had, had, had created to be used uh, to uh, for uh, eligible um, persons to uh, use the, use the funds to go to a, uh, a religious institution, a religious school. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the regime was very, the program was very simple. Tax credits could be contributed to essentially scholarship funds. Scholarship funds would then be, you would apply for them. The, uh, the, the scholarship funds could be used in any school, uh, and so there was no restriction on using it for religious schools. And as soon as they saw that they, people began to use them for religious schools because of a, a particular uh, statute in, uh, in uh, Montana, um, they, uh, they passed a regulation, uh, and the regulation was at the, at the heart of the case. Mm. Uh, the regulation essentially uh, was a, um, uh, uh, it was called Regulation 1, uh, and it, it, uh, it, is, it was the, the very thing that we're talking about in the Blaine Amendments, just the language to show you. The, regu- the, uh, the, the particular eight uh, prohibited the parochial schools reads, this is in their constitution, the legislature, counties, cities, towns, schools, districts, uh, public corporations shall not make any direct or indirect appropriation or payment from any public fund or monies or any grant of lands or other property for any sectarian purpose or, or to aid any church, school, academy, seminary, university, or other literary scientific institution controlled in whole or part by any church, sect, or denomination. That is a sort of a classical description of what's called a Blaine Amendment, which mm-hmm. was developed in the 19th century when the immigrants were coming over. It was a very anti-Catholic purpose. Uh, it actually... The, the conflict between the, uh, the immigrants wanting a Catholic education and the public schools insisting on a Protestant version and then uh, public schools wanting to strip uh, Catholics of, of any kind of public aid whatsoever. Uh, this is long before the incorporation of the 14th Amendment, uh, the, the Bill of Rights in the 20th century uh, in the religious liberty issues as applied to the states. So uh, th- these things were done specifically for anti-Catholic purposes. At the end of the day, what, what, the, what the court held was that if you have a program and it applies, uh, has to apply neutrally to everyone, and you cannot go back and make a regulation uh, that essentially outlaws uh, the use of it by religious people. So that's a very positive thing for the school choice movement. Yes, I was going to say that. It's going to have a, a, a significant impact, and the, so the... The, the the big the big issue the big picture on these cases, whether we're talking about the uh, the uh, sexual discrimination case, the Bostock case, or the mm. or the, and the gender identity, are the implications for Catholic religious liberty for Catholic institutions and the like. The positive thing that we just received with Espinosa is the uh, essential uh, uh, removing or uh, beginning to dismantle this ancient uh, you know several hundred years of history of hostility towards Catholic institutions and education. We have about a minute and a half left in our segment now with Randy Rainey, a former constitutional law professor, scholastic, and more. Uh, last comment, any brief real comments on the uh, role reversal of Chief Justice Roberts from you know, uh, voting in favor of the restrictions of abortions in Texas to now against abortion restrictions in Louisiana? seems like the same law, different state, but he's sort of flip-flopped a little bit. Any insight there? 60 seconds. 
Well, it, it, you know, the, it, it's 60 seconds to go into it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, too, uh, not, not fair. It's not fair. Especially with Justice Roberts' uh, the, the reasoning. Essentially, uh, the, the grounds for the decision were he was just uh, uh, disagreeing with the, with the manner in which the court decided the case. Uh, and so uh, at the end of the day, the regulations uh, for um, – you know, we're very similar in Texas as well as in Louisiana. Mm. And the fact that the uh, uh, the district court, they, they basically, the, the procedural dimensions of this were really dominant, which I think people don't really understand often in, in terms of these cases. But uh, whether there was a third-party standing was a potential, and whether you know, there was actual jurisdiction was very, very much the focus of Justice Thomas' dissent in this mm. case. Uh, and also just a, a, a scathing, and good review of uh, the, the, the tortured law of abortion. If our listeners, the positive thing that can come out of this case is reading justice for Catholics, is reading Justice Thomas's dissent, because it's a great summary of what uh, what the problems have been since Roe and why we have such um, horrible jurisprudence uh, in all these matters. Uh, but uh, the uh, the um, the credentialing aspect of this was essentially decided by the court at the district court level, said that uh, there was really no relevant purpose for this uh, for, for the for women's health hmm. regarding the uh, the uh, the credentialing uh, okay. of, get, of getting hospital pr- privileges. So it, it went into it. It was a very um, technical element. Uh, so Justice but Justice um, uh, Roberts again uh, showed himself as a. A person that will will change uh, the ground of of his decisions, and he he's really developing uh, not so much a hostility to religious to uh, to uh, uh, life, but he's he's uh, the the technical elements of this particular case were were partly the reasons why he reached the conclusion he did. All right, with that, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to cut you off there, Randy. I'm sorry about that, but we're out of time. Randy, Randy, thank you for being on with us and uh, giving us some great insight into some of these decisions. We'll have to have you back uh, for Absolutely. maybe a follow-up conversation in more detail, you know, specific to some of these justices. Uh, Randy, Randy, God bless you. Thank you for being on today. All right. Thank you, Joe. Bye-bye. All right. Also joining us right now is Bree Dale. Uh, Bree is a uh, contributor, uh, sort of a freelance journalist to, to several organizations. For hours. Bree, are you there? Good morning, Bree. Bree, I am. Are you there? <laughs> I, I, I was. Morning. I was introducing yes. you, and you were Hello. mid-thought already in uh, in a conversation. So, Bree, it's great to have you back on our program. You've been on a few times with us before, <laughs> and uh, for the sake of brevity, for the rest of our radio program, now uh, we have about uh, just under ten minutes left in our radio side, and then we right. stay on for what we call the after show. It's all on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube, and we'll have a protracted conversation there. But for the next ten minutes, I want to cover briefly the. Navy thing, and then I want you to talk about the Hong Kong Vatican news that you broke on your Twitter feed, but real quick, I served in the Marine Corps, you served in the Navy, I'm so sorry for you, uh, but um, what is this inf- What is this story about the Navy <laughs> prohibiting uh, sailors and Marines from going to religious worship, but yet they can go to uh, house parties and protests? I'm confused. Maybe you can shed some light on what the Navy is doing here. <laughs> Well, thank you for having me back on. I really, truly appreciate it. Um, I am working now with the Daily Caller, who broke this story. Um, Marlo Safi, my colleague, um, was given a, a tip from um, within the Department of Defense uh, last week uh, that was uh, really a message traffic. And for people to, to really understand what message traffic is, it is um, the communication system within the military um, that allows for communication all over the world uh, very quickly, um, and it's written in such a way, and it's pretty convoluted. Um, but long and short, the message traffic came from U.S. Fleet Forces, uh, which is the kind of the head overall um, situational authority just underneath the, um, the Pentagon for all naval forces in the world. And so U.S. Fleet Forces um, out here in Norfolk, Virginia, um, sent out message traffic uh, giving a, a heads up to all of the military installations throughout the world that they get ready to transition into opening up um, restrictions for COVID. 
And um, they make it very clear that even if the civil authorities are opened up, so like the states are allowing people to go into to buildings and having, you know, going into um, places of worship and even with all of these, you know, the restrictions with having to deal with, you know, uh, face coverings and um, extra precautions with regards to anti-vi- mm. um, antiviral um, methods, still the Navy does not want that to occur and to support. And so they made it very clear in an order that service members are prohibited from visiting, patronizing, or engaging in the following off-installation-specific facilities, services, or activities observe guidance provided by regional and installation commanders regarding Mm. the use of on-installation services. And then they list a whole group of services such as recreational swimming pools and gyms and saunas and salons and tattoo parlors and barber shops and cinemas and theaters. And uh, they're not allowed to participate in team sports or go in to dine in, but they can take out um, bars and nightclubs and casinos and conferences um, sporting events, even at public beaches, they're not allowed to. Mm. And then they say um, also to include indoor religious services. Wait, wait. When that went Did you out, say they can't get tattoos? Hours, yes. Oh, wow. No, they can't. Oh, my, oh my goodness. <laughs> what, right, yeah. what will Navy guys yeah, do right. if they can't get tattoos? <laughs> military. Um, I don't know, like Marine Corps is the same. Um, but in, in reality, what these things are is that they're prohibiting this movement um, of personnel and indoor religious activities was identified as one of the areas that they were not allowed. And so when that happened, it went throughout, um, you know, the Navy very quickly mm. and service members started to be up in arms because this has not actually been done on any of the other departments of defense um Branches, at least from what we understand and what um, my my um, colleague at the Daily Caller has gotten from the Department of Defense. Um, and so uh, I have been in contact with religious leaders in regards to this because, okay, right, so the Navy gave an order to Marines and sailors. Uh, they have to obey that order. They've made strong wording to the, the families. You also have to be, uh, you know, you, you, we really recommend that you not attend. So Why? If these um, military uh, members end up getting COVID, um, you know, from their family members, uh, in, in our opinion, from what we're assessing is that the military is saying, look, we're telling you an order. If you don't, uh, if you don't obey this order or your family members get COVID, we don't want the responsibility in taking care of that, mm. right? Because we've given you an order. Um, and one of the things that was really interesting is that these Navy members have had to sign page 13. And page 13s are a legal document saying, I have understood and I will apply, I, I will agree to this order. You know, I will, wow. I will abide by this order. I've read the order and I understand. Wow. Yeah. Okay, with and just a few, so, with just a few minutes um, left yeah. in our, in our time on the air, I'm going to pause that one and we right. can pick that one up again when we go into the after show and do a follow up there. But, uh, just for the sure. sake of the last few minutes we have left on air across the GRN, Let's move to the Hong Kong story. Uh, there is an article out about Cardinal Zen being ready to be arrested now. He's saying, I'm ready. You know, Cardinal Zen says he's prepared for arrest under Hong Kong security law. This is a uh, Catholic News Service article that's out. Uh, there's a, uh, while we've all been f- focused and paying attention to what's going on in the United States with riots and uh, tearing down statues and what have you, in Hong Kong, uh, the CCP has passed a new security law. There uh, that is allowing agents from Beijing to now come in and interact in a city that should have been separated. You know, it's one country but two systems sort of thing. And this on the anniversary of it's being turned back over to China. So maybe you can tell us what's going on in Hong Kong. What are the ramifications for Catholics there? And we have, I don't know, three minutes to go. Okay. So long and short, I think everybody needs to pay attention to this because the connection between what we're seeing here in the United States is being assessed at the same time as being connected to what we're seeing in in China. The Chinese are taking advantage of the fact that the West right now is being um, preoccupied. And it doesn't, it's not very surprising to see that um, those who are really trying to push a lot of agenda that we're seeing right now 
align their agenda to the, uh, the the political or the same type of agenda from the uh, from the Chinese Communist Party. So I think people have to start to realize, okay, what is taking place, the the crises that are um, that are taking place. But the person to watch right now on Twitter, on social, Cardinal Joseph Zen, he has been a voice, not in hiding, but out in the open mm. from the get go, leading his people from the front. He is facing the communist. Party of China. He is facing their wrath. He is facing, unfortunately, the silence of the Vatican over the weekend. Uh, this is breaking news, but over the weekend, um, the Pope uh, or the Vatican put out a press release embargoed to all of the uh, the journalists in the Vatican, saying that the Pope was going to address the situation in China, in, in Hong Kong in particular, um, for the Angelus yesterday and on Sunday. Uh, I was, uh, Marco Tassati, the Italian, um, journalist, uh, uh, reported that, um, within moments before the Angelus took place, the Pope nixed it. Mm. So he did not say anything. And he was going to come out and say, speaks, um, strongly, uh, calling for nonviolence, respect of the dignity and the rights of all. He said, I also want to express the vote that, um, or the, the option that social life and especially religious life should be expressed in full and true freedom as various international docu- documents provide for it. He, I mean, he was coming out and he was going to say that that's a direct quote from what was sent uh, to the Vatican press corps on, on Sunday and then it was mixed. And he said nothing and instead spoke on the UN. So wow. there was really concern and that, that went almost completely unreported. Um, but another big thing that came out over the weekend uh, was a statement, a very strong statement by Cardinal Zen. Um, I've posted it on my Twitter feed so that you all can uh, read it in full. But he, he speaks to um, something that's really important, and hopefully I'll, I'll catch this. During the last two years, the Holy See did three things that damaged our church in China, he says. One, a secret agreement with the Chinese government on the appointment of bishops. Uh, on the aside, it should, it should be reported that there are individuals now saying that that secret agreement between uh, China and the Vatican actually breaks Article 102 of the UN protocol forbidding, quote, secret agreements between nation states. So there are people now starting to say in the secular realm, did the Vatican actually break the UN accord? Um, and, and then, so, so, the, so going back to Cardinal Zen, he said three things that have happened with the Holy See that has damaged our church in China. Twenty a, seconds. I'm gonna, one, I'm gonna have to ask you to pause. Chinese government. I'm gonna ask you to pause there, Bree. I'm sorry, we have a bit of a delay in our connection, but pause there. Uh, we're gonna have to sign off on the radio program, but we'll stay on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Twitter at GRN Online, and we'll continue this conversation. Maybe get a little more information. So, uh, hold tight, Bree. Thanks for uh, for being on the phone with us. But I want to thank you, my dear listeners. The audience and the family of the Guadalupe Radio Network for being a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network listener family. Uh, We're very excited to have you on board and we ask you to help spread the word. Tell everybody about GRNOnline.com, about downloading the mobile app and much, much more. Every Monday at 8 and every Friday at 8, GRN Alive broadcasts to your local community and across the world online. Join us right here, GRN Alive, Mondays and Fridays, 8 a.m. Central. May God richly bless you. We're praying for you. Please pray for us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus wherever you go this week. I'm Claudia Garza. I am an insurance agent with Farmers Insurance, serving West Houston and Katy. And I am a proud sponsor of this Guadalupe Radio Network station. Catholic Radio is truly food for my soul. I sponsor 1430 AM because I want to help evangelize. You can reach me at my office, 713-780-4841, 713-780-4841. Blessed be God. 
Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen.